If you like to gamble, I tell you I'm your man. You win some, lose some, it's all the same to me. Hello and welcome to another episode of the official Motorhead podcast, The Motorcast. I am your host, Howard H. Smith. You may know me as lead singer of UK thrash band Acid Rain, or from my own podcast, Talking Bollocks, where I interview the great and the good of heavy metal. If you want to find those podcasts, just click on my name in the description of this podcast. It's a live link and it will take you to all of them. But here, I am your host, your guide to the world of Motorhead. And through this huge collection of interviews that we're building, the idea is that we crystallise the future of Motorhead forever. People will be able to dip in here at this virtual museum and listen to all of these interviews, listen to these stories, and realise that, yep, they really were that band, and Lemmy really was that guy. So... As you will have already noticed, this is one of our fan episodes. So this is by you, for you. And if you'd like to take part in a future fan episode, all you need to do is hit me up on Instagram um, via the talking my Talking Bollocks account or same via Facebook or Twitter. Reach out to me, tell me what your story is and we'll see if we can get you on the show. So first up today is Martin Barrett. Martin has got some interesting tales of times with Motorhead and Lemmy, and instead of me hinting at what might be to come, why don't we just hand over to Martin? This was us having a chat not long ago. So, Martin, welcome to the Motorcast. Thank you. It's lovely to have you, and thanks for reaching out uh, on Instagram and telling me a very brief outline sure. of the times you met the band. You know, you know the drill. How yeah. did you first get involved uh, with okay. Motorhead? All right. So I had to kind of reach back into my mind after I contacted you and I, I've listened to a couple of your podcasts. I'm like, he's going to ask you this question. You got to, you got to pull it out of the bag. So it's literally uh, the only question I ask. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So the very first time connection encounter with Motorhead was in 1978 on a uh, compilation album that had bands like uh, uh, The Adverts. I, just, I do remember the song, The Adverts, Gary Gilmer's Eyes, Jam 69, Susie and the Banshees, The Rosillos, The Damned, and this band, Motorhead. And heard it in my, my, uh, my friend's bedroom. And of course, the, the album was kind of punk rock themed. And then there was this song, Motorhead. And I was like, oh, who's this? And this guy was like, oh, this is... These three guys are the loudest band in the world. They're the roughest, toughest ever. And I was like, all right. And then uh, they said, they, you know, I'm 12 years old at this point. Um, and then they said, they've got this song called Overkill. It's the fastest thing you'll ever hear in your life. And so I um, went out and bought the, I bought it on 12 inch, actually, a 12 inch vinyl version of Overkill, which was the extended version uh, in 1978. And so those three songs, uh, sorry, Motorhead, Overkill, and Too Late, Too Late, which was the B-side of Overkill, uh, was, was my introduction to Motorhead. And, um, and, and like most people, um, no doubt, that's, you know, uh, and you've been with them ever since. Yeah, so with them uh, in, in heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit ever since, uh, even at, well, I'm 55 now, but even at 12 years old and at 55 now, I still have the same reaction, kick, love, connection uh, to yeah. that music. 
and the kind of authenticity of that rock and roll, you know. Yeah. I've, I've often kind of gone back and thought about what is it about this band that you love so much? And uh, the, the music speaks to me, the, the voice speaks to me, the whole, it's, it's, for me, it was just the, the most authentic rock and roll that worked and connected yeah um, yeah and that's a word that always crops up with 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 motorhead and with lemmy yeah. in particular is authentic uh, absolutely i mean uh, I, as a fan or as somebody who's gone to see the band and been a fan you, you you try to work out well what is it about this that you love so much so you're you know as a rocker growing up you know there was motorhead there was acdc there was thin lizzy there was other bands and they're all great and you love them as well but for whatever reason you know uh, Motorhead was the, the gold medal standard. Um, I, I, just, I think you just knew intrinsically when you saw them live that this was the real deal. Yeah. And it wasn't like you weren't <laughs> yeah. making it up to convince yourself. You're like, no, 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 no. This is, this is the yeah. real fucking deal. This is. Anyone who plays that loud on stage is the yeah. real deal. Well, yeah, but I mean, and, and, and as fast or faster, because as a young yeah. kid as well, I was like, what? You're playing these songs faster live than, the, than they are on the album? Well, I was going to um, say, you say a young kid. So, yeah. so how old were you the first time you saw them? Okay. Um, I was 13, 13 years old. Uh, right. So you got one, stuck three, in straight away. St Discovered them at 12, in, saw them at saw 13. Them at 13. So my first ever live gig. Good on um, you. I think it was a 30 time. I mean, I have the ticket over there. Um, 1979 Edinburgh Odeon rear circle two two pounds for a ticket wow. um, which is like three dollars for all my American friends um, and uh, Saxon were supporting um, and so that was that was on the bomber tour so yeah so when they came on that's when they used to start gigs with overkill um, and uh, just a wall of dry ice oh, flashing wow. lights and then that's you know I heard you talking about um, Motorhead on one of the other podcasts about, you know, they never did, never used any gimmicks or whatever, but that was back in the day when they did use powder flashes or explosions on right. the stage. Yeah. So, you know, the, the lights went down, you know, people rushed the front of the stage, the, you know, the dry ice, you could just say, what the yeah. fuck is dry ice, dry ice. And then, you know, the drums for overkill came on flashing strobing lights and then the kind of howling, uh, Bass start, but then Eddie would just kind of like slide the pick down the strings and just launch an overkill with an explosion right at that point where it just kicks in, um, flashing strobe lights and just dry ice covering you know the four first four or five front rows of the of the gig. It's just a fucking hell, man. It's just a, a, an a, an oral and visual you know onslaught. Yeah. And at, th and at 13 years old, you're seeing that. And these guys are basically, they're elevated to like superhero status. Oh, at this sure. Point. I mean, it's just, so here's, here's the naive, naivety that I had as a, as a young kid. This, I wasn't even aware that bands toured, that you could actually go and see the band that you, that you liked or that the record that you bought or that you saw on top of the pops. And I'm like, what? They come to your town and play? I'm like, oh, fuck. So yeah, that was just my... My my ticket, my introduction to live music, and uh, my first ever gig. So yeah, Motorhead was my first ever gig. Oh, that's awesome! That's and that is that's quite a first. That that's that's quite a high bar for everybody else to have to deal with for the rest of your yeah. gig going life. Yeah, they 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 were my Beatles. I mean, um, okay. So here's a great a great story. So I'm 13 years of age. 
the high school that I went to was about three or 400 yards from the Edinburgh Odeon. That's where they played. Um, yeah. And so the bus stop that I would get on the bus to go home from school was right across the road from the Odeon. And then, you know, I'm standing at the bus stop and there's the marquee tonight, 7.30, Motorhead. I'm like, I'm going to that. I'm going to that, you know. Yeah. Um, and there was a roadie. Uh, I was like, who's that guy standing outside the... Uh, Who's that guy standing outside the Odeon with like sort of long hair and a leather jacket? So, you know, here's me, 13 years old, with my school uniform. So I cross the road and I was like, hey, are you with are you with the band Motorhead? And he's like, yeah, I am. I'm a roadie. I'm, I'm waiting for the band to arrive. And I was like, wow. I said, can I wait here with you and, and, and say hello to them? He was like, sure, no problem. Awesome. So we're really just standing on the steps, you know, outside the theater. And I was there for about 45 minutes and no sign of the band. I was like, <clears throat> Uh, okay. Um, and then the guy was like, Hey son, uh, do you know, is there an off license, uh, close by? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, actually there is, there's one, like two blocks along the road there. I don't know why I knew that, but I knew that there was one. And, uh, so he goes and gets, uh, another roadie and he said, will you take us there? And I said, sure. So we walk along the road to the off license where, you know, he, the roadie and myself get loaded up with, uh, you know, I, I remember carrying it. Uh, a 24 pack of harp lager uh, along Clark street with uh, a motorhead roadie who was carrying, you know, 24 cans of something else and his yeah. buddy, you know, that's when you, uh, with some bottles of spirits and they walked me into the Edinburgh, the Odeon down through the, uh, the stalls, the up through the backstage area to the kitchen, essentially where I was kind of <laughs> unloaded my beer. And the guy was like, here, so he gives me a can of Coke and uh, he goes, come and check this out. So we go from the backup area, which is just all roadies and road crew onto the stage. Um, and he introduced me to Phil Taylor's drum roadie. Uh, so they were doing sound check at four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, so they were just getting the, the whole stage set up for sound check. And his drum roadie just like, oh yeah, nice to meet you kid. Um, I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, because he was putting pillows inside the, the, the bass drums. And I was like, what are you putting pillows inside the bass drums for? And he's like, oh, it's called damping. It's to, to help the, the, the sound of the, the bass drums kind of thud rather than echo. Yeah. And he kind of gave me a quick little demonstration. Um, and I was like, fuck, I'm on the stage where this band is going to play tonight. Um, I had my can of Coca-Cola. And I remember placing it down on the drum riser and then kind of it was like 5.30 now and the band still hadn't shown up. And I was like, I got to go. I'm still in my school uniform. I got to get home and change yeah. into my denim jacket and get ready for this concert. Because that's when they called them concerts back then. Um, so hilariously, you know, went to the show. Uh, Saxon opened up with uh, Motorcycle Man. That was back in 79. That was, uh, that was the song that they used to open their gigs with. Um, yeah. Even though it was on the album Wheels of Steel. So... You know, they come on and everybody's like standing up, shaking your fist, headbanging. And then I, <laughs> I grabbed this guy standing next to me and I said, look down there. And he's like, what? I said, that's my Coke can on the stage. And it was still, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, from like, you know, 200 yards back in the rear circle, I could see my Coke can on the, on the drum riser of Saxon's, uh, you know, yeah, you were you, you were still managing to represent, even though you were back out in the crowd. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I'm special. You you don't know. I was on that stage earlier today. You know, 
so yeah, that was that was my kind of dream uh, dream ticket, dream dream start with Motorhead, um, and then you know I've been lucky enough to see them uh, a number of times. Not as many as you know. There's there's fans out there that have seen this band hundreds of times. I I, I won't claim to have seen them hundreds. I've seen them maybe uh, fifteen to twenty times I think over the years. Um, but I've seen them in lots of different places. So I've seen them in Scotland. Um, I've seen them in Japan. And wow. I've seen, seen them here in, in States, in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. So uh, that's, you know, it, it's always exciting when they played in Edinburgh because uh, they used to play at the Edinburgh Odeon, which is a big, a big venue. You know, it's like three, yeah. two, three thousand people. You know, it's got the stage, the stalls, circle, then yeah. the rear circle. Uh, you know. pro- pro- proper old school Odeon. Absolutely. That's right. A, uh, a theater for for all our international friends. <laughs> yeah and then uh, an old well an old basically an old cinema that's what that's what all the odians are they're all old cinemas they're old cinemas with that happen to have a stage um well they used to have to have a stage to keep you know to it, it's they started out as theaters and then they okay. got converted to cinemas and that's where the and that's where odian comes from the odian cinema obviously ah. and then uh, and then they turned into concert halls. Okay. Well, so there you go. It's just a yeah, fasc- I mean, fascinating interjection there. <laughs> Sorry, mate, but I had to say no, something. Okay. You know, that'll I get paid a, for this, so I've got to say something at some point. That'll be a <laughs> did you know moment. You know, did you know? But um, um, anyway, I rudely interrupted. Um, yeah, yeah, I know you. Worries. I know you mentioned. Um, I know you mentioned you played um, pool with Lemmy one afternoon. Oh God! Um, so, yeah. okay. so how That's did that like, happen? How did that happen? All right. So this is the if you're a, a Motorhead fan, this is like the dream story that couldn't have been a more perfect day. Um, so like I said, I saw them in Edinburgh, I saw them in Japan, um, and I saw them in the United States. So I moved to the states 20 years ago to Portland, Oregon, and uh, Portland's a great town because it has a number of different uh, music venues, all different sizes. Lot all bands come through here. Uh, even bands from like 19 Oatcake that are still on that kind of circuit still come through. Uh, and then, so it's 2002. I, I moved here in 2001. 2002 is a Hammer tour. And I and Motorhead are playing at the uh, Roseland Theatre, which is like a maybe 1,500 people, maybe 1,000 yeah. people, 1,200 people. So small, no, no rear circle. It's just a hall with a, a, a tiny little upstairs area. Yeah. And um, I was like, fuck, I, I know where that place is. And I'm going to go down there during the day and see if I can meet Motorhead because Portland's a pretty cool town. And, you know, we're all a little bit older. Uh, nobody crams the back, the, the, the backstage area of concerts or in the afternoon to try and to meet people. And I was like, I, I'm going to go down and I'm going to go down and see if I can meet Lemmy uh, and the band. And so uh, I knew that Lemmy was a huge world war ii memorabilia collector and he liked his jack daniels so i i used to work in a bookstore at that time so i i got myself uh three or four books about german military collectibles and um and a friend of mine gave me three coins three uh coins which were the um german money and so i went down to the, the backstage area and uh the back of the theater saw that there was nobody hanging around you know there was a tour bus there was nobody hanging around so i just kind of walked up the steps knocked on the the back door opened it and just walked into the (laughs) the tour manager's office and uh, (laughs) he was like what are you doing here and i was like 
oh, I'm, uh, you know, I was on some of the Motorhead chat boards uh, previous, and I said, oh, yeah, I'm a friend of uh, Tim Shockley's out of, out of Chicago, and uh, I got some stuff here for Lemmy's collection and uh, some stuff for the band. And I think he heard my accent and was like, oh, maybe this guy's legit. And he was like, yeah, just, just take a seat over there, mate. And Brilliant. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, fake it till you make it. <clears throat> hey, so, hey, they, uh, goal, goal number one achieved. You haven't been yeah. thrown out. I haven't been thrown out and he thinks yeah. I'm legit and I'm sitting in this tour manager's office and then two seconds, 30 seconds later, Lemmy walked in. And so, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, a little bit starstruck and like, yeah. you know, I, I don't know if you've, when you've ever met celebrities, famous people or people that are kind of in the public spotlight, you've only ever seen them on a TV screen or in a magazine or on a, on a video. Uh, when you meet people for, for the first time in real life, you're trying to kind of make a sense of reference. Wow, they're taller, yeah. smaller, bigger, wider, fatter, thinner. Uh, wow, you really look like that. The wow, thing is, really yeah. Like the thing you're, is, as well, is there's a temptation as to when you're doing all of this, when you're clocking all of this, there is a that there is a tendency to uh, to to be staring at them, and that's oh, the thing you've got to try and avoid. Oh God, yeah. So yeah. I was like, all right, what? It, I was like, hey, uh, I just I, Lemmy had was kind of chatting to the the the, the manager. He was making some joke about uh, Limp Biscuit being on the radio. And I just went over and I said, hey, Lemmy, um, my name's Martin. I'm a longtime fan. Welcome to Portland, Oregon. Um, I, I got some stuff here that I think you might be interested in. And he's, he's like, what? Uh, he he kind of seemed a little, a, a little flustered. And so I, I said, look, here's um, some books for your collection. Here's a bottle of Jack Daniels. I think it was Maker's Mark, actually. I said, and here's some um, coins my friend's dad found in Germany after the Second World War. And he was like, fucking hell he, he was a little oh okay what's going on he was like oh you're a fan you know what i'm i'm about and you've kind of gone the extra step and made this happen and then i said look here's some couple of books about collectibles because i know you're in it and so <laughs> he opens one of the books and it's just a series of photographs of you know daggers and flags and uh, medals and guns and all the rest of it and uh, with a, a name and a catalog and how much it's worth and when it was issued and he just kind of licks his finger, points at everyone. He goes, got that, got that, got that, got that. Brilliant. Licks his finger, turns the page, goes, got that, got that, got that, got that. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I've, you know, I'm in the, I'm in the, I'm in the books here. I've, I've, I'm kind of getting to second base. Yeah. And so <clears throat> he said, come on, come on downstairs. So. I'm like, oh, okay. So I, I go downstairs with him to the kind of backstage area, which is under the stage. And uh, there's Phil Taylor, uh, sorry, Phil Campbell, asleep on a bench and Mickey D's hanging out and Lemmy sits me down. So I'm sitting at a table with all three bands of Motorhead. And um, I also had some hard cider. I bought a bottle of couples of hard cider. So I, I gave them to Phil, who was asleep. And he, Lemmy just says, hey, hey wake up, look, look who it is. And I'm like, well, you've never met me before, but so <laughs> Phil's like, oh yeah, maybe. No, that's hang, on, hang on, hang on, can I just say, can yeah. I just say what I'm laughing at there, right? Uh -huh. Is that is a typical band member thing to do to another band member when you're on the road. Okay. When they're asleep is to wake them up and go, look who it is. 
Oh, right. When they okay. when they when they know that they've never met this person before at all. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> so that is that is that is Lemmy that's Lemmy fucking with Phil there. It's like right. you know. So you're just being woken up by look who it is, and you're like, oh, 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 uh, 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 I don't know, I don't know who is it. But, yeah. So Phil <laughs> kind of just like rose himself out of a slumber, nodded, and was like, hey mate, and then kind of cracked a bottle. Um, and you know, Mickey D was my most kind of unknown. Uh, quantity so I, I had a bottle of vodka and i knew that mickey liked to use chew you know like chewing tobacco oh yeah so I'd, I'd gone to this boutique tobacco store and i managed to get some swedish they call it snuff here but swedish chew or snuff uh little packets and i said hey chewing tobacco yeah chewing tobacco yeah i said i don't know if um here's a bottle of vodka and two tins of uh chew and he's like who the fuck, you know, how do you know that I, that I chew and how did you find out this from Sweden? And I was like, okay, so I'm not an obsessive, you know, uh, yeah. creep, but I'm just, I have an idea who you guys are, you know? And they were like, God, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So we're sitting there. Lemmy cracks his bottle of makers. Uh, Phil's drinking his cider, you know, and they start going back to sleep and Mickey D's just, you know, all right, you're, you're a fan and welcome and thanks. And then, you know, took off. Um, and then, on the table was Lemmy's infamous uh, attache case. You know, that kind of travel case that he uses looks like a small microphone case, it's got the metal edges and all the stickers all over it. And yeah. so he opens up the case and um, inside there's, you know, porno mag, cigarettes, a knife, uh, Marlboro cigarettes, and then picks out uh, a sheaf of papers. And uh, he goes, what do you think of these lyrics? And I'm like, what? You know, so bloody hell, sheet of lyrics that he's just been penning. Um, and he goes, What do you think of them? And I was like, Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they, do you remember? Do you remember what they were? So, okay, so I remember one line, uh, which was, The devil sends his meat with chops. All right. And so I've gone through every Motorhead album since Hammered, uh, and tried to find that line. Um, I think it was just some prose that he was writing, it, it doesn't exist in. Right. Any of the songs, but uh, um, but I, but I you weren't to know that at the time. Lemmy is turning around and saying, "What do you think to these lyrics?" And yeah, what like, do you think of right? You know, I'm yeah. like, "Fucking hell, I'm in, I'm in." You know, this is this is too good to be true. This All was right. worth going to that boutique tobacco shop, is what you're oh, thinking, dude. Absolutely. You know, I spent <laughs> a bit of a small fortune. Uh, I know. You know. I was thinking that. I was thinking you must have turned up with like like some sort of fan Santa with this yeah. like like sort of sack of goodies. Well, I I didn't want to kind of be this kind of stupid you know overwhelming like mega adoring shouting ace of spades at the top of my voice you know i, I was oh, like hey. absolutely and believe yeah. you believe you and me as somebody who is somebody who's in a band the, yeah. appro the approach of turning up with a sack full of gifts as opposed to turning up and wanting things from you is yeah. much better okay <laughs> yeah so i i think you know they were, they were very grateful. And, uh, yeah. you know, I was I can like appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Screaming and shouting and, uh, just being polite and, uh, and engaging. Yeah. And, and also I think they realized I was a little intimidated maybe, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, so Lemmy says, I, and get this. So then he goes, fancy a drink. And I was like, he, goes, no, he says, let's go get a drink. And I was like, all right. He goes, there's a bar there's a strip bar close to here that I know. And I was like, okay, it has to be Mary's bar. Cause Mary's bar is right across the road from the Roseland and is super famous, uh, kind of old school, 
you know, celebrity strip bar in Portland. Yeah. So we walk together. Uh, we leave the Roseland. We walk across the road together to Mary's bar. And we, you know, I'm, I'm like fucking walking down the Burnside in Portland with Lemmy. You know, there's people honking their horn in their car. People like, you know, staring, pointing. And I'm like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm oh, okay. I'm walking with Lemmy. This is, this is a sign. This was meant to be. This is too good to be true. You know, like you said, reel it in. Be cool. Yeah. This is this is meant to be. You must but think you, that you're all right if, if this is what's happening. So you must have been hoping that loads of people that you knew were going to drive past in their cars at that time. Uh, just hold on. This is where it gets where it gets better. So we ah, all right. In, all right. This is hilarious. So we walk into Mary's bar. Yeah. And let me turn around. And he goes, no, this isn't the place. The place I want to go to is over there. So he then walked me back across the road back behind the Roseland about two blocks to a little strip bar called the Magic Garden. And the right. Magic Gardens is where Lemmy used to always go before his gigs when he played in Portland. And it was kind of, right. if you wanted to meet and hang out with Lemmy, you didn't go backstage or try and get in backstage. You would go to the Magic Gardens. Right. And that's, you know, and try and say hello. So we walked to the Magic Gardens and along the way to walk in there, that's when people would be like honking their horns or coming up and going, I know you or, Hey, you're a rock star or you're famous and can I get your autograph? And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, I'm just walking with you and other people are interacting, interacting with Lemmy. Um, and he was totally up for it. He was like polite, signed autographs, two cans, said hello, you know, passed a bit of crack back and forward, but it wasn't like there was a line of people. Um, and then we walk into the Magic Gardens and on the same day that Motorhead were playing at the Roseland, Orange Goblin, I don't know if you're familiar with them. They're a kind of yeah. British metal band yeah. of um, some, some stature. Orange Goblin were playing in Portland at the same time, same night. And I was like, that's a bit unfortunate because everybody's going to be at the, uh, the Motorhead show and nobody's going to be at your little rinky-dink uh, venue. But the band members from Orange Goblin were at the strip bar. Kind of right. about one o'clock in the afternoon, ogling, you know, ogling the, the dancers. And, and the Magic Garden was very casual. So, you know, the dancer in between songs would just walk off the stage, put on a robe, and then go, go and work the bar. Yeah. Serve drinks, chat with the punters. And then once that was done, she would just get back on and go back up on the stage, you know? And there was a pool table and there was booths. And it, strip bars are very casual. Maybe they are in the UK, I don't know. Uh, they seem very casual. You, you don't go there just to ogle. You're there just to, you know, do your thing. And, oh, look, there's naked women at the same time. So we walk in. Uh, the, the stripper comes off the stage. Lemmy and I sit at the bar at the end of the, the bar where he's right beside the trivia machine. And she's like, Lemmy, it's so good to see you. Thanks for always coming to this bar when you're back in town. Um, you know, what can I get you? He's like Jack and Coke. And, um, I ordered a beer and, uh, and, and then we settled in. And so we just playing, uh, trivia. And of course he's just racking up you know, answer after answer after answer. And uh, so he and I played a little bit. Um, and I'll get into the pool table story in just a second. Don't worry. So at that point, people are now walking into the bar and like talking and somebody would point and go, oh, yeah, he's up there. He's up there. And so this is hilarious. So somebody came up and tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, uh, would it be OK if we could get our photograph? taken or an autograph with lemmy and i'm like <laughs> right okay you think i'm with the band because like, <laughs> i have a 
a Scottish accent. So I would turn around to Lemmy and I would say, uh, hey, Lemmy, um, there's some people here that would uh, like get get their autograph um, or get a photograph taken. Is that okay? And he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, give, give me give me 10 minutes. And I would kind of turn around as if I was his mind. I'm like, hey, hey, guys, can you give us about 10 minutes, would you? And they're like, oh, yeah, great, great, great. And I was like, okay, this is just even more hilarious. Uh, people think I'm his fucking minder, you know? And uh, so we... <clears throat> we finished playing trivia and he says, let's play pool. So we rack up the pool balls. It's me and Lemmy playing pool. Um, there's kind of old school music on the jukebox. Lemmy is holding his pool cue like a guitar and like <laughs> strumming it yeah. like, like you do when you're a kid yeah. or in a bar and you've yeah. had a couple and says to me, I, I kid you no lie, he goes, <laughs> you, they don't make them like they used to, which is, you know, if you're from the UK, you, that's a, a classic old phrase, you know. Yeah. And I, I think he was just pulling my leg or just, you know, being ironic or funny. But, yeah, um, you know, playing his pool cue. So we're playing pool. Now, I'm not the greatest pool player. I've, I know how to play pool. But for whatever reason, um, my game was on. And right. I <laughs> start beating Lemmy at pool. And then I'm... <laughs> You're going, off, you're going off script here now, going Martin. Off script, man. I'm just yeah. like, what, what? Okay. And I was like, he's an authentic bloke. You, you can't miss this shot, you know, to let Lemmy win because he would not respect you for that. Yeah. Um, and so I'm about to play the black ball to go in for the win. And I look up and he's looking at me and he goes, want to tell your friends about? <laughs> that time. <laughs> he goes, that time you beat Lemmy at pool. And so I, I fucking sunk the black ball and we shook hands and uh, awesome. beat Lemmy at pool. <laughs> what a line though. What a one-liner. Yeah. Oh, want to tell your friends about it. He just, and he knew that I knew that this was a, a moment in time. Oh, that is um, awesome. Yeah, dude. So, <laughs> and so by this time it's two, three in the afternoon and there's now people coming in, um, autographs, photographs. Yeah. And then a gal came in and, uh, she had a motorhead tattoo on her shoulder and asked right. Lemmy to sign it. Yeah. And right after he signed it, this tattoo artist kind of pulls out his portable needles and just awesome. you know, uh, zapped, it, zapped it on her. Yeah. Zapped it on her. Now, I kid you not, this is a true story. I met that girl 10 years later without even knowing who it was or who she was. Um, I was at a festival and I was, met this girl and she had a motorhead tattoo and I was like, yeah, Motorhead, la, 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 la. And she goes, yeah, let me sign it at the Magic Gardens about 10 years ago. And I was like, you! I said, I was that bar at that time. And, uh, That's insane. It was insane. It was insane. Just, yeah. you know, and so in the great Motorhead story, and if you love rock and roll and believed in Lemmy, and these are all, you know, pure coincidence, or maybe it's a sign, or it's a beautiful thing. So... It's, um, it's amazing. I mean, that, uh, the, the fact that, um, you know, that's a, a, you, you catch more bees with honey. You turned yeah. up, you turned up with gifts and you ended up with stories that you're telling all these years oh. later. So, so it gets better. Um, really? We, yeah. So it's three 30, maybe four o'clock in the afternoon now. And let me kind of like, he's like, I said, he says, what time is it? I said, it's four o'clock. I said, let me, it's four o'clock. He's like, fuck, I gotta get back for sound check so yeah. we walk back together he goes you come with me so we walk back together and yeah. he 
walks me into the, the backup area and we walk upstairs um, and he essentially kind of, I walked into the, the audience pit and he walked onto the stage and lo and behold, they're getting set up for, for sound check, you know? Um, so here's, here's another true story. Just before we got upstairs, we had walked in, he was getting a drink at the bar downstairs and the opening bars of Orgasmatron were being played. And it must have been um, his bass tech who was kind of just doing the, the, the opening bars. And he turns around to me and goes, they're playing my tune. And then we walk upstairs <laughs> and he walks onto the stage, picks up his bass. And I, I saw Motorhead soundcheck in an empty 1,000 people kind of stadium hall, for want of a better word. Yeah. Um, louder than I've ever heard them, probably because there was no people in there. Exactly. I exactly. Mean, yeah fucking loud loud yeah. Yeah. um and the most amazing thing was they did uh rosalie by thin lizzy as their kind of um what do you call it sound check yeah uh, and i was like you've never played rosalie live but you play it at sound check i'm like wow this is great yeah and the um so they played rosalie and then they played brave new world which was off the the hammered album yeah um, and so this is the amazing thing. They're, they're ripping into Brave New World. And then all of a sudden they stop, like stop, boom. And Lemmy's like shouting this and vocal for that and sound for this and da 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 and tweak this. And then one, two, three, boom, yeah. back into the song exactly where they left off. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not making this up like to sort yeah. of elevate the, their status. Because I was, I was like 40, 40 years of age at that time. And I was like, fucking hell. They, wow like yeah loud uh musical ability timing connection yeah. with the band tight, and tight as fuck tight as fuck and yeah. ability to kind of go two three four and then back into where you left off yeah uh fuck me dead you know uh that and rosalie and so uh, yeah i was i was like okay th this is this is just beyond what has been an amazing day um that's incredible, dude. Yeah, they leave the stage. I, I, you know, it's six o'clock and four or five. I've got to get home, get my, my, as you know, at that time, wife and my buddy who'd give me the coins because we were all going to see them that, that day. And let me arrange this for three backstage passes for me. So I, I go down and say, wow. thank you so much for what a great day. Um, I, I got to go, man. And he goes, you, you come at the gig tonight? I said, of course I am. And he's, and I, he, he said, yeah, you know, says to tour manager, um, I think it's a Swedish girl um, who I've seen appear in, you know, in a couple of the, the Motorhead videos or uh, documentaries. Uh, so she arranged for three backstage passes. Um, I, I, with my name and all the rest of it, I sort of run home, get my wife, get my friend, and we go back to the gig. And then we, you know, by this time, there's 1,500 people all, you know, milling around the, the foyer area and going into the bar. And yeah. I go to the... Uh, you know, the special ticket area. And I said, yeah, I've got three backstage passes. And she's like, oh, Martin, Martin times three. And I'm like, yeah. And she goes, here you go. And I'm like, fuck. So I yeah. stick them, you know, stick it on the inside of your jacket and yeah. then go to the door where the bouncer is and open yeah. your jacket and show it. And he's like, on you go, mate. And I'm like, okay, we're royalty. Like, this is yeah. not a... You're in the inner sanctum. Yeah, it was not like, how the hell did you get this? Or uh, how did you get this fucking pass? It was like, no questions <laughs> asked. You must, you must be a fan. You're legit. 
uh, we go da backstage downstairs where there's tons of people hanging out, sort of strippers and rock and roll people, and the band is there. And so we, I, I'm like, so I said, oh, Lemmy, how's it going again? And he's like, oh, yeah, Scotsman. You know, couldn't remember my name. He's like, hey, Scottish guy. Um, I said, here's my friend, uh, Ryan, who uh, gave me the, the coins. He's like, oh, thank you so much, man. He goes, I, I never had these before. He goes, would you want some money for them? And Ryan's like, no, no, no. Wow. It's, just a, it's a pleasure to meet you. Um, and he, he was very, he said hello to my wife. He's like, oh, darling, you know. Um, and then, you know, feeling a bit, a bit of a, bit like a spare part really you know not yeah. really knowing what the whole backstage thing or scene and i'm i think i'm a pretty authentic person as well so i was like all right this is not your yeah your thing and you're not not your thing just yes let's it, get upstairs and get yeah. into the audience so we yeah. go back upstairs and so i get to go on you know get to go into the the theater through the backstage door and there's uh tim butcher his bass tech waiting for lemmy with his bass all ready to go um, and so we stood in that little kind of darkened area and then the lights went down and then Phil, Mickey and Lemmy kind of come through the stage door. Tim Butcher lights a cigarette for him. Phil kind of does that opening thing with his guitar. The crowd, you know, lights go down, the crowd go nuts. And then he's like, it's showtime. And he, he, that's, you know, I'm standing watching them walk up those little steps with a flashlight and then they walk on the stage and then we kind of just like ran into the audience to be, you know, part of the show. And uh, yeah. Uh, Thank you so much for sharing that yeah, with man. us and, and, and with the audience, Martin. I know that's been fascinating to listen to and I really appreciate you taking the time out to, yeah, um, no to take us through it. It's awesome. Uh, thank you for, for having me on. Um, Pleasure. I, yeah, you, it, you're so welcome. Thanks for being open to, for me kind of picking up the Instagram phone and just saying, hey, I, I've got a story to tell. Well, um, that's, that's what I asked people to do. And, yeah. um, and I'm glad you did, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're so welcome. Now, at this point, I will always say um, I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I did doing it. But I suspect you possibly may be too jealous to have actually truly enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, some amazing stories there. Uh, we had quite the chat, Martin and I. Really, really nice guy. And, um, uh, you know, it's just great when you guys get in touch with these incredible stories. It's so heartwarming. And I know that they're the kind of things that you all want to hear because this is your band, you know. There I, there's very few people I know who are into Motorhead where it's not, Motorhead are not one of their favourite ever bands. You know, Motorhead is not just a band amongst other bands you like. No, it's a serious passion. And talking of fans who have serious passion. You are now going to hear from Algar. Um, Algar plays bass in a band called Astrolith. Um, and he, again, got in touch via Instagram with the most amazing photo to start with, which will get mentioned during the course of the next half an hour. And this interview really is about a passion for Motorhead a passion for bass playing, it's about inspiration, it's about perspiration, but most of all, it's about a deep, deep, deep love of Motorhead. Well, that's enough of me. Let's hear from Algar. So, Algar, thanks for doing this. Thanks for reaching out in the first place. Really appreciate it. 
Absolutely. A big fan of uh, both the podcast and Motorhead in general. So uh, it's, a, it's just a pleasure to talk Motorhead and Lemmy. Awesome. And you've led me into the first question that everyone gets perfectly, as you know. How did your love affair with Motorhead start? So I was born in 85. So I feel like by the time I was born, Lemmy was already known as Lemmy, you know, the character just beyond Motorhead because he, he's such a icon. So I couldn't tell you when I first heard of Lemmy because I kind of, I had older brothers who were into metal. So I just always knew Lemmy the Lemmy yeah. beard, the, the warts, everything. And I feel like my oldest brother who unfortunately recently passed, uh, he was a big metal head. Uh, and I'm pretty sure he first showed me Ace of Spades and I'm pretty sure uh, Motorhead was probably also in some video games. And I had friends with older brothers too, who were also way into Motorhead. So all through high school, whatever I had, you know, motorhead DVDs, just always playing around me, skateboarding and stuff. Motorhead was always the perfect soundtrack. And so I, I feel like, you know, pretty early on, I just had always heard them. And then as time progressed, I got more and more into them and dug deeper than just the classic albums. Right. So what 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 captured you first then? Was there was there a particular song or a particular album where you went, okay, this is my jam? For me, it was actually some of the slower songs when they'd be playing a live set and they're just burning through song after song after song. And then they slow it down and play a song like Metropolis or Iron Horse or or Gasmatron. The grooves of those songs really sucked me in and like, okay, this isn't just a fast band. This band knows how to groove. And when they sneak those songs in the middle of a set, it, it just, it's like a punch in the face. Like, oh, all right, we're bringing it back now and give it, give you a minute to breathe. And uh, Stay Clean is another one of those that just the groove in that song is so perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Um, And so how many, you know, how many times did you see him live? Where did you see him? What was the experience like? So I think I've seen, I ended up seeing him probably three or four times. The, The first time I saw them was with Heaven and Hell and Priest in camden new jersey wow that can i just stop you there what a lineup seeing lemmy halford and dio in the same night yeah (laughs) yeah i throw tony iomi in there as well you know the godfather of heavy metal the the biggest bummer was testament opened that show and i got there and missed testament Oh, so right, that, yeah. that's my only regret about that show. Uh, and another regret is both of my brothers in 2004, maybe went to see Dio Iron Maiden and Motorhead and Maiden is my other favorite band. And at the time I was probably 18 and $60 for a ticket when you're wow. 18 is you can't. And 
hugest yeah. regret of my life is not going to that show with my I, two brothers. I know, I know what you mean. Like you look back on these times in life and you just think, why didn't I just get in debt? Why didn't I just like beg steal? Why didn't I just go? See, now as an adult, I have a credit card for that reason. <laughs> so, and it's like, okay, yeah. Iron Maiden announces a tour. I buy four tickets for four different shows. But uh, I also, on the last tour, I knew Lemmy wasn't doing very well health-wise. I didn't think yeah. what was going to happen was going to happen, but I knew he probably wouldn't be touring as much in the future. So that last tour, I was like, all right, I got to go to as many shows as possible. And they played Vegas. So I was like, I'm going to Vegas alone. It's an excuse to gamble and spend time in <laughs> Vegas. So I flew out there by myself. And the Vegas show was great because the first leg of the tour, they had Saxon opening and I hadn't ever seen them. And then right. I, I live in Philly. So I also saw them the Philly date of that tour and that had Anthrax. And then Anthrax ended up covering Neon Nights by... Dio era Sabbath. So it was a double whammy of awesome. Oh, that is awesome. And and I'll tell you now, um, Lem would very much have approved of the fact that you went to Vegas on your own to do some gambling and see Motorhead. He would have he would have definitely been gambling at some point um uh over those days when he was there. I hung out in the casino for hours after hoping to see him, but I, I didn't end up seeing <laughs> nice him. Move. That was uh that was my first big experience with dealing with other. Sorry, I have a dog. Come here, dude. That's um, all right. Dealing with other diehard Motorhead fans because, you know, there's a difference between the people who own a Motorhead shirt and then the people who like love Motorhead. Yeah. You mean, time, in other I, words, in other words, people who listen to this podcast. Exactly. And it's yeah. like Motorhead fans are some of the coolest fans worldwide. Uh, I was wearing, uh, you know, my Motorhead work shirt and this couple who was also at the Vegas show starts yelling, hey, hey, where did you get that shirt? Where did you get the shirt? And then they start talking. So where are you from? I'm like, oh, I flew here from Philly just for the show. And they're like, oh, we're from Canada and you're from Philly. We love, we love all of Philly's sports teams and the flyers and this and that. I'm like, you're from Canada. You love Philly sports teams. And you know, motorhead is kind of one of those bands that there's always someone that's a bigger fan than you. There's always someone who flew from further or someone <laughs> crazier motorhead tattoos or whatever, yeah. but there's judgment it's never oh i'm a bigger motorhead fan than you because i've seen him a hundred times it's always like do you love motorhead i love motorhead cool we're friends now and no question it doesn't matter yeah. how die hard you are like yeah yeah there's, there's no there's, yeah there's no there's no one-upmanship there's no oh well you know i've come further than you or i've been into them longer than you or anything like that you're absolutely right there's um it's a it's a it's, community yeah, it's so great because uh, some so many other scenes of music, even in heavy metal, it, it is such a competition. But Motorhead just brings together the, you know, the coolest of people. And that's another great thing about them. Well you, well, you did mention you did mention tattoos there. And, um, and, and some people, some listeners may actually um, even be aware of your your tattoo because you've you've got. Well, 
describe it. A bunch of years ago, I decided to just go all out and get Snaggletooth tattooed very, very prominently on the back of my head. Can I I just say that it's like you got Snaggletooth tattooed on the back of your head that the only way it could be more prominent is if it was tattooed on the front of your head. Pretty much. So, (laughs) uh, and you know, everyone is telling me you're crazy. You need to, you need to post, post pictures online and see if motorhead will say something or whatever. That's a pretty huge deal. So I posted a picture on you know facebook at the time and tagged motorhead and never really heard much else on it and then one night at around midnight a good buddy of mine sends me a screenshot and just says dude you're on motorhead's page and it was a screenshot of motorhead post reposted my picture and then the comments were all hysterical Oh, good luck getting a job and this and that. <laughs> you know, I'm like, really? The judgment from Motorhead fans are <laughs> well, so social media is a completely different world, isn't it? Of course. And then it ended up turning into some great conversations with people, you know, just who were just busting my chops and whatever. But I made it onto Motorhead's Facebook. And my heart was completely racing in the middle of the night. I'm like sending the screenshot to everyone. Like I made it. This is the unbelievable. So that was definitely a shining highlight of my life right there. Just that's uh, awesome. You, that's awesome. You have a motorhead tattoo on your head, the perfect place. You have the motorhead tattoo on your head. And, and then, you know, I, I watched the Lemmy documentary and there's that guy who's got the motorhead tattoo on his head and his whole back and his whole front. And he's got like the stone, stone deaf forever on the stone. I'm like <laughs> there's always the crazier motorhead fan, but I guarantee that guy is super awesome and we'd have a blast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, when you, um, uh, when you reached out to me, um, uh, over Instagram, you said you had a you said you had a, uh, an interesting story um, uh, about a certain somebody. So um, do you want to do you want to run that by me? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my last band was uh, very very influenced by Hawkwind. We were called Green Meteor. Uh, I'm a bassist, by the way. So uh, yeah. you know, I play I play like a Rickenbacker, and I used to play a Marshall too, and my old band ended up opening for Nick Turner's Hawkwind. We were the main local support. Oh, cool. So we're, you know, doing sound check and stuff. And Nick Turner's like looking around the corner, watching us. And, you know, my heart's, I I can't believe it because I'm so, I got into Hawkwind because of Lemmy, not the other way around. You know, I worked my way back and I'm a massive Hawkwind fan, especially the Lemmy era. And they played pretty much Lemmy era and before it was like the greatest hits of Hawk when they played. And afterward, Nick Turner was just hanging out. So I went up to him and I bought this massive Hawkwind book that he had written. 
so I bought it. It came with a seven inch and stuff. And I asked him to sign it. And I said to him, hey, in case you couldn't tell by me playing a Rickenbacker out of a Marshall, uh, <laughs> I'm a massive Lemmy fan and completely obsessed. So it's an honor to have played a show with not only someone I love, but someone who also worked with Lemmy. And he's, I'm going to do a terrible Im- impression because my <laughs> accents are horrible. But he's like, go for it. Oh, th- thank you. Thank you. And he signs my book. He's like, hey, Algar, that's your name. Nick Turner. That's, that's my name. Says, are you going, are you going to be hanging out for a bit after the show? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be here for a while. We still have to load out and everything. He says, okay, great. Uh, uh, come, come meet me downstairs in 15 minutes. I, I have something I would love to give you. I have a guitar pick from Lemmy's funeral. I just, I love, I love Lemmy so much and I miss him so much. And I was not able to attend his funeral, but someone who was there sent me a guitar pick that they gave out to everyone there. I'm like, okay, wow. sure. So I end up going downstairs 15 minutes later and he's down there completely drenched in sweat shirtless. Now, <laughs> uh, picture that he's not a young cat yeah. anymore, but I go down and he remembers the conversation. I was like, you know, he's done a lot of psychedelics over the years. Well, you know, yeah. Will yeah. he recall? So I go down and he's like, hands me. It's a, it's a pick from Lemmy's funeral with his name. I, I sent you a picture of it. Yeah, it's, yeah. You know, born to lose, live to win, you know, with yeah. Lemmy's name on it and the dates and he hands it to me and I gave him a huge sweaty hug and it was, I got a pick from Lemmy's funeral given to me by fucking Nick Turner of Hawkwind. <laughs> That's uh, amazing. Yeah. So that Jeez, uh, <laughs> my dog is completely losing his mind. Conan, come here, come here, bud. So, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm gonna, That's all right. I'm gonna give him some treats. Okay, Conan, cool. Don't we, yeah. <laughs> of course, cool, he man. you know ruins the climax of the story. Don't worry, we can pick it up. So um, that I mean that must have been that must have been quite a moment. Like there you are, Nick Turner is handing you a pick from Lemmy's funeral. It's just ridiculous. And there, luckily, I had bandmates there with me to verify that it actually <laughs> happened because yeah, yeah, I couldn't believe it. And if other people wouldn't believe it when I told them, at least. Like, I'm not just crazy. This actually happened. And to this day, I can't believe it. It was uh, like how, how just, you know, playing music can connect you to other people like that. It's just absolutely blows my mind. And yeah, how insanely cool he was also like, I'm sure he doesn't have a stack of them. That was probably one of the only ones he had and felt that I was deserving of it. Yeah. And that that's incredible because as you said, you know, 
you, you, you played the show and you've talked to him for what, five minutes? And, and, and he, and he's, he like, he, he realizes there's, the, there's that connection in that sort of short time, having seen you play and spoken to you that your love of motorhead is, is, is so deep that you're, you're kind of worthy of having that. Yeah, it, it was, uh, it was staggering. It still is. I'm still in shock over it and I have it like locked in <laughs> like I have some very sentimental family artifacts and stuff and it is locked away with that stuff so I can never misplace it. Yeah, I can imagine that is that's one of those that's one of those treasured treasured items, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And um you also sent me a picture of um your uh, the well a part of your your wedding suit which um which which did which did really make me smile yeah so i i got married uh almost three years ago at this point and we we vowed that we were going to have like a very personalized wedding where it wasn't just all the standard music this and that yeah and yeah. a, a lot of people, I, a lot of people listening will be nodding along. A lot of motorhead marriages will, will, will be listening to this. And they'll be going, yeah, that's right, dude. What was the first song? What was the first song? <laughs> exactly. So uh, when I, I had a suit custom made because I didn't want to have just the standard suit and yeah. I did white cowboy boots. Nice. All black, everything, but uh, just with yeah. the white tie and the white boots. Cause I was thinking of that, uh, the motorhead poster where all three of them are standing against the wall in front of the big snaggletooth painting. And they're all wearing the black suits with just white tie and Lemmy and the white boots. I was like, I need to do that for my suit. And I had embroidered on the inside, stay clean because just because I love that song and to, as a reminder to not, you know, spill anything on my suit uh, because I spent (laughs) a lot of money on it. Uh, And, and, when we came, you know, after the ceremony and everything, when they reintroduced us back to all the guests and everything and they play music, they played Overkill. So nice. we ran in because you hear that song and you just can't help but run. So we ran into the crowd with Overkill <laughs> blasting at my wedding, me rocking the white boots and everything. Yeah, it, it was very, very motorhead. that is awesome that really is that really is and luckily my wife is super cool and uh was in full full approval of everything so well well for look dude certainly that that uh that tattoo on the back of your head doesn't seem to be holding you back in any way yeah absolutely (laughs) uh she she's used to it uh, you know finding lemmy action figures and stuff all around the (laughs) house and uh yeah the the boots and motorhead shirts everywhere <laughs> that's absolutely brilliant that really is um i mean it's it's it, it, over all these years um like you said you were born in 85 by the sounds of it you were kind of like you were born into motorhead um it's like it sounds like you kind of didn't even have you didn't really have much of a say as to whether you were gonna you know be into motorhead or not it was just a given that you were yeah. And then, you know, especially as a bassist too, because Lemmy is such an inspiration to my bass playing, like his tone. 
like I, I have a Rickenbacker because mostly because of him. And um, I have this buddy, uh, Alex Avedisian, who makes uh, guitar pickups and he's a total motorhead freak too. And I was like, Hey dude, I, I need new pickups for my Rickenbacker. Like, do you think you could put an ace of spades inside the pickup just for Lemmy? So I, I had a deck of cards that I had bought in Vegas that were like the casino cards. And I sent him the ace of spades from that. And he put that inside the pickup. So I have this Rickenbacker with uh, ace of spades just in it. So every time I look down and actually too, I have a spade tattooed on my thumb. Uh, oh, that's cool. Just because to look down and see the ace of spades it's just like i'm always like you know what my amp could be a little bit louder <laughs> you know i just yeah. like always just i always turn up louder for lemmy every single note i try and play harder than the last one for lemmy it's just and i always want to look down as a reminder like this is why i'm doing it because especially you and me were talking about getting older and never yeah. knowing, you know, when chances might come to, you know, play the biggest show you've ever played. And I just think of that Lemmy quote, if you think you're too old to rock and roll, you are. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And he, he did it till the end. And that's a constant inspiration to me to like, who knows when I'm going to play the biggest show of my life. Like keep turning up and keep, just going for it what else what the hell else am i going to do at this point like yeah yeah absolutely absolutely i mean there's a great quote and i wish i could remember who said it and i'm i'm sure social media will tell us um and it was um uh, and there's some guy talking about his band and he's saying look never never ever split the band never ever break up the band no matter how things how bad things get never break up the band because you know why if you do everything's terrible and now there's no band. <laughs> it's, it's a great point. It, yeah, exactly. There, you know, I'm, I can't play sports. I have no huge artistic skills or anything. I'm a musician. I, everyone in my family is musicians. It's in my blood. It's what I've always done. And I don't know what else to do with my time. Yeah. And money, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, look, I mean, I, it's, I, I would imagine you've spent a fair few dollars on Motorhead over the years. Yeah. Uh, as I sit here in my my Motorhead hockey jersey, which you don't see too many of these in the wild. Uh, you know, I bought actually literally was at the record store the other day and. Uh, grabbed a copy of Inferno, which happens to be sitting on my dining room table. Uh, you know, there's always more records, more shirts. Uh, yeah. So you must be you must be loving all of the the, the re-releases and the the re uh, like the remasters and stuff because they're beautiful. Yeah, I'm I'm not a uh, I'm a vinyl collector, but I'm not a purist in the fact that I only need originals. I just I like having whatever I can get my hands on. So, you know, I do have some originals. I have like the the self-titled uh, 12 inch single. Uh, I have the original of that. You know, I have Iron Fist, Overkill, some of those. But then the reissues, too, it's like 
I don't care as long as I have the music and if I can get it with the, the extra gatefold with all the cool pictures and everything added to it even better like yeah. I just I like having it some records I'll if it's my favorite album I'll buy an original and a reissue and the CD and then download it on my phone too just so I can it's, sometimes I'm at work and I'm like I need to hear this Motorhead album right now and I'll just go on <laughs> iTunes and like that happened to me two weeks ago with We Are Motorhead I was like I I need to hear we are motorhead right now. And I didn't have it in any other way. So I'm like, download it on iTunes at work, blasting it. Like, yeah. That's awesome, man. That really is awesome. Um, I mean, I look, I can't thank you enough for, um, you know, for, for reaching out um, and taking time out to do this uh, and, and, and sharing your love of motorhead with everybody else who, who loves motorhead too. Absolutely. And I, I do have uh, one, one other story. Um, Go for it. Just, um, so I was, I was in Connecticut for the holidays, visiting my family, uh, you know, Christmas years ago, and it ended up being, you know, the day that Lemmy died, but I had no idea I'm traveling. I had a base with me and stuff. I'm not looking at my phone. I'm, you know, in taxis and trains and whatever. And I, my now wife, I get back to her house and she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like the, the text I sent you, I'm so sorry. I was like, I haven't looked at my phone. What are you talking about? And oh. she looks at me and just says, Lemmy died. I, I start bawling immediately. I put on bad magic. I'm listening to bad magic and love that album, by the way. And I completely lose it. And uh, that night, Clutch was playing in Philly, and we had tickets to go. And I just, you know, cleaned myself up. And, you know, I just got here from Connecticut, but we got to get to the show. Don't want to miss Clutch. If it was any other band, I probably wouldn't have gone, but I was really looking forward to seeing Clutch. They're a favorite band of mine. So I cleaned myself up, and we go to the show and between bands they're playing motorhead over the pa and i'm like crying at the show trying to hide the fact that i'm crying and clutch comes on stage all wearing motorhead shirts oh man uh, that must have and, really set you off and then they between songs go on to talk about how thankful for lemmy they were because early on in their career Motorhead took them on a European tour and it opened tons of doors for them as a band yeah. and how yeah. just how great Lemmy was to them through the years. And I know uh, one show, their bass player, their his bass got lost and Lemmy actually let him use his bass for Clutch's set, which is so cool that he would do that too. Yeah. And then they said uh, a song off their new album. They're like, you know, when we're writing songs, we'll just, you know, throw a working title out there to remember the song. And this one we just called Motorhead because we were thinking of Motorhead when we wrote it. So here's that song. And they played this song like super blistering, like heavy, like I'm crying during it, staring at the ceiling, hoping no one notices. But that it was like, 
I'm so glad I went to that show instead of just sitting at home being sad because if I had just listened to Motorhead alone all night, I would have completely lost my mind. And that yeah. was another like, you never know how much they affected other bands that you like and stuff too. Yeah. And just but that's awesome. The fact that you got that news, you made the effort to go to the show and that that it was without doubt the best thing to do because you could be with other people who felt how you felt. In, including the band too. Yeah. yeah. It's like the band is probably struggling to be on stage and they're probably just thinking the whole time. Well, what would Lemmy do? What would Lemmy do? <laughs> yeah. 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 Now that that's, that's amazing, man. That really is. And, um, that would I'm funny. Well, we had um, I had um, Tom from Sodomon saying about when he's you know the last time he saw them, and he was he was crying watching the band, you know, because actually, you know, thank you for uh, bringing that up too. I have a question for you, and also any listeners who might be able to shed light on this. Literally, one of the last times I probably the last time I talked to my brother on the phone, he would just call me in the middle of the night and we'd talk about just random stuff. And he called me one night to ask me what I thought the first band to ever cover Motorhead was on an album. And he said he was thinking it was Sodom with Iron Fist. Yeah. And I was like, well, what year did, you know, uh, Sepultura do Orgasmatron? But that was like 91 or 92. And, 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 it's, and it's not on an album. And Sodom, I think, was 87 or 88. Yeah. And I, he, he yeah. set me off and we were going back yeah. and forth trying to figure out. And uh, I looked it up and. It depends if you count girl school doing the cover off the motorhead girl school split. Ah, right. Okay. We're getting, like, te- I, we're getting technical now. We're getting deep. That's a motorhead release. So, but yeah, that was one of the last times I ever spoke to my brother on the phone. And then you had Tom from Sodom on the yeah. podcast talking about that cover not long afterward. And that was another one of those like kind of full circle things. And it just made me think of my brother and talking to him about that. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's just crazy, but yeah, if anyone knows of any recording before that, like this was a question that was nagging us for, you know, weeks. Well, so. uh, well look, I'm, I'm I, firstly, um, you know, condolences. It's a, you know, it's, it's a terrible, terrible loss to lose a family member, somebody, you know, and a brother. Um, that's, that's really hard. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see that, you know, you, you're hanging in there. Um, and also what a great way to, to try and find out if that last, if that last conversation, you know, with your brother, um, let's try and find the ultimate answer for you and him. Yeah. And, and it's just good to know it might, uh, it might kind of expose a gem that some people are not familiar with. If there is something that we don't know about out there, like, no, this other band did it in 85 (laughs) or 84. Like it'd be cool to hear. Well, we'll, um, I'm sure when this gets posted up and people have listened to it, we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on the comments and, uh, and hopefully, um, we can find an answer, but, um, absolutely. 
Algar, can't thank you enough, man. Thank you. I really, really do appreciate it, as will everybody listening. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Keep up the good work. And I uh, I just look forward to these every other week. It's uh, it's it's fantastic that this is I love I just love hearing how Motorhead has affected other people, too. And what a huge inspiration Lemmy has been to everyone. Yeah, you say that again. Thank you so much, Algar. I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Motorhead bangers for life. And there is a sentiment that I know you will all share. Um, I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I did doing it. It was great fun chatting to Algar. Um, He's a a really interesting guy with stories to tell. And um, got in touch you too can get in touch via the in, by, via my Talking Bollocks Instagram account or Facebook or Twitter. And it's Talking Bollocks, but with a Z on the end instead of an S. Feel free to direct message me or, or just tweet me straight out. But whatever you like, um, I will respond and we can have a chat. Um, I, I mean, I've, I've got to say thanks to um, to Algar for um, sharing his memories and, and the time and sh- and the same for Martin Barrett as well. Um, these guys took time out of their day and we sat down and we talked. Now, those interviews are edited. You know, there is they, they put some time aside, which was very, very kind of them. And we really did have some great chats and I hope you've enjoyed listening to these I really do um please do remember to tell everybody you know about the motorcast and if you haven't already subscribed there will be a subscribe button somewhere where you're listening to this press it and it will make sure that you get a new podcast every two weeks just like Algar was talking about So thank you very much for listening. Really, really enjoying doing these and really enjoying getting to connect with some of you. And thanks all for your feedback, which has been overwhelmingly positive. It's been it really has been an an absolute ball doing this. And I'm just enjoying it as much now as when I first started. And hopefully you guys are enjoying listening, too. So thank you very much. Please do spread the word and I'll speak to you next time. On the official Motorhead podcast, The Motorcast. I don't say you greed. The only God I need is the Ace of Spades. The Ace of Spades.